Hello, everybody, and welcome to Allendale Market Talk. Today, Greg and I are going to be speaking about pitfalls of 2019 when it comes to corn marketing, what mistakes were made, what to be watching for, how could we can learn from these mistakes. So, Greg, let's start this off. What What was the number one thing you saw this past year that can be avoided next year? Well, I think the uh, the thing to watch is is being concerned about what the reality of the situation is versus what the USDA is going to tell you. Uh, and, you know, we said it uh, quite a bit this year, and, and it wasn't that we were rooting against, you know, the farmer or production or anything like that. It's just the problem is a lot of times the USDA won't recognize all at one time issues that are out there, and they're very slow to react to these issues. So it may not be until March of next year where we until we actually see some of the production issues that we thought we had this year. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that still needs to be harvested. Here it is the first week in December. And, you know, the, the problem that we have with this is that things came from out of nowhere uh, this year with the acreage that I wouldn't I wouldn't have ever said we, we could have seen. And the problem was that everybody got bullish because of acreage. Mm-hmm. And then when the USDA came in and said that we planted 90 million with 11 million or whatever it was or 12 million acres of prevent plant that was a, that was a killer that was that was it so getting too bold up losing sight of what you what you should do as far as your marketing knowing where your break evens are and taking advantage of it when you actually do get to see it so mm-hmm. yeah and that's something i didn't notice at the beginning of the year is when i was interviewing scott Irwin back in the day it seemed like such a far idea when we were still planting to see that we'd have anywhere close to a 170 bushel per acre average Mm -hmm. and he actually said that we need to see everything absolutely perfect going into the remainder of the uh crop season in order to have us anywhere near and for what i was gathering from what he said it it seemed like he was thinking it was gonna be a far off thing when in fact we came in and right now we're sitting relatively close to that yeah i mean the big uh, the big move of the of the year for the usda was to lower acreage or not acreage was to lower uh yield on that june report by 10 bushels an acre mm-hmm. we at that point hadn't even planted uh you know what 50 percent of the crop almost or 60 percent of the crop uh so you see that 10 10 bushel drop everybody gets excited because there's a lot more to come we know from history that the later we plant, the more we can take off a yield. Well, that's true, but when you far exceed expectations for plantings, that's where the, the problem comes in. And, and, you know, I mean, we talked about it uh, earlier this year. was One of the worst things they could have ever done was make that announcement in, you know, I think it was late May or early June, that all you need to do is just plant. Mm-hmm. Get plant and get planted, and you'll get the MFP payment. If you don't plant it, then you're not going to get anything. You're just going to get your regular prevent plant deal. Right. That definitely took away our golden ticket there for lowering supplies. Right. Right. And then you know the it's not that there's not there's not some potential upside in this corn, but we need some help at this point. Right. And at this point, seeing a, a short term rally, it's not out of the picture. I mean, we've dropped what forty cents to see it return twenty cents and correct. 50% of the move, that's that's not far out of the picture. Mm-hmm. The thing that we need to take away from the the problem of hoping for the USDA to give us a extremely bullish report, which we've seen has just came in and bit everyone in the butt, 
is how bullish can you be? And are we going to get, like we saw in the November report, these estimates so skewed to the point that we're just shooting ourselves in the foot before we even get there? Mm-hmm. Are you going to have people still saying, well, this one, they have to give us a 1.3, 1.4 out win. No, they don't, and they probably won't. And that just brings down the whole average. Again, just killing us on, on the price side of things, looking for this big drop but not seeing it because, well, it's pretty ludicrous to say the USDA is going to take all of this off the table, and especially if we are still leaving the crop out there because, unfortunately, you're still seeing potential. We don't know exactly what's going on, so the USDA is not going to say, all right, we're cutting all this out of here because there's still potential in the field. Yeah, the the potential for those uh those farmers in North Dakota and South Dakota, and even here in Illinois and Iowa that uh, are extremely late mm-hmm. to, to harvest. Um, you know, there's talk of people that are com- that will probably have to leave the corn in the field until uh, the snow goes away in March or April, mm-hmm. which is, it, it's unbelievable. But unfortunately, those will eventually get harvested. They're gonna they're gonna have to go out there and and you know pick it up and whether they're you know they've got to use a different head for it or not but uh, it eventually will probably get harvested it's not all gonna just go away and the USDA is looking at that and saying the same thing and that's why I don't think you can look at this January report as the report to fix everything mm-hmm. you know all of this all of a sudden uh, magically the production is gonna come down by. Uh, 300 million bushels or 500 million bushels, and we're going to see, you know, the yields come down and and the harvested acres come down by quite a bit. It's just it's not going to happen. I mean, it, it, we could see some declines, but I don't think the USDA is going to be quick to to jump on that. Right, and yeah, that's the, I think the lesson you take away from this is don't get pulled too bolted up on the USDA. Mm-hmm. Lesson one. Yeah, I think. We should go into lesson two, which is where the fundamentals fall into play here and how to use fundamentals based on or what the market's doing. Because it seems like we get fundamentals and then the market just kind of starts moving moving away from it and it starts following more of a technical picture. Mm Mm-hmm. So can you touch base on that a little bit? Well, I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in in the idea that there's, uh, you know, we're not seeing demand. And then the stories about can we get the USMCA uh, signed or not signed but ratified. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got uh, we've got the China deal. How much uh, how much do we get out of corn uh, with a, a deal with China? Are they going to be coming in and buying, which is not something they typically do. They don't buy a lot of corn from us, very little, in fact. And you start looking at that, and then you hear about uh, all the problems that we had with uh, with getting planted, and then all the problems that you had with flooding uh, acres, or whether it was dryness in some areas, because that was definitely an issue in some areas. And then as you go into harvest, you again, you're getting this deluge of rain where it's just nonstop hitting us. And, and here we are, first week in December, still trying to harvest. This is two years in a row that we've seen this. Yet the USDA is not going to make those changes. So what you have to watch for is you have to watch for the charts to tell you when things are getting ready to turn. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to 
play, you know, a, a little bit reactive to it, but you can see some of the uh, the formation starting to set up, and then it's that's how you position yourself in the market. This is one of those things where you have to look at what's going on outside as well. As much as I want to say it's all technical, you do have to look at when you're a farmer and, and marketing, you have to look at your local basis. Mm-hmm. What's your basis trying to tell you? Is, you know, look at the spread between the December uh, contract and the March or the December and the July or the March and the July. Mm-hmm. Is that telling you that you need to, to hang on to corn? Because I don't think right now it is. Right. You got to be paying attention to the carry in the market. Is it telling you that you need to be storing beans or corn? At this point, it's saying beans as opposed to corn. You mm-hmm. should get, be getting your corn sold. You got in some places 10 cents over, 6 cents over, 5 cents under, but still incredible based on where it's been in the past. Right. We we don't typically see, uh, I think somebody uh, told me this morning that uh, their local basis was 48 over for corn, mm-hmm. which if you look at that and you see that we're trading 382, 385, whatever it is, uh, and you're getting 48 cents over, that to me is get it sold. Right. Get it sold. You're getting over $4 mm-hmm. for your corn. In December, that typically does not happen. Now, I understand if you've got, uh, you know, you've got tax issues where you prefer to sell that stuff after the first of the year. Well, that's fine. Market for delivery, January 2nd, Mm -hmm. or, you know, market for delivery in February or March. But get it sold as long as you can lock in that basis and lock in that price. There's nothing to me that says that we have to take this market to what it, what would that be about uh, 420 430 that we're talking about mm-hmm. there's no way that I think we see that and if we do go to those levels your your basis isn't going to be that good at the time right you can always reown on the board afterwards right. but lock in the basis in the cash yeah make sure the operation is profitable if you want to have that opportunity, there's other avenues you can go about to do it. Right. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, as we look back over this this last year, and it's it's a it's a lesson that we should learn every single year. And we fall into that trap as much as, you know, as much as the farmer does when it comes to our own positioning in the market, is we get wrapped up in, oh, man, it's so cheap, it needs to go higher. <laughs> there's nothing that says right now that we need to go higher. Demand is is kind of on its butt. We need to see, we've got, what, eight, six or eight weeks for, from right now until basically the beginning of February where marketings for corn, ex- export sales for corn, should be at a yearly high. We should be marketing like crazy over the next six to eight weeks. Typically, that's when we do book a lot of corn. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see that? You know, what's you? Uh, you were you were sitting in the meeting with us yesterday. What? Where are we sitting at as far as uh, competition between U.S. corn and Brazil and Argentina? I know they're well above us in price, which should stem more exports coming from us. But we're just not seeing the business right now. Just like you said, these next six to eight weeks are very important. So if we're not seeing that business come in now. That should be a cause for worry. The fact that we are so well discounted to South America, but yet just not getting the business. Yeah. So definitely something to keep in mind here is 
you're going to be watching this demand picture, and you, you should be watching it very heavily over these next several weeks uh, for us to pick up. Because if we don't, then we really have a big issue. Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised for that 2 billion bushel carryout if yeah. we do have the continued demand issue. And uh, the other another uh, demand side of things to, to think about is is the ethanol side of things is there's a reason these ethanol plants are offering such a good deal on basis. They they need the corn. Mm-hmm. And yes, they you know, they're only they're at some point they're going to say, "Okay, we're not going to pay up anymore. There's no way I'm going to pay 60 cents, 80 cents over just to get corn because they know someone will let it go." But the problem that we have is we still have these RFS issues. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the EPA going to going to mandate? Are we going to be at the same levels uh, for uh, for blends? Are we going to see the same levels of produ- of ethanol production? Um, those are all question marks right now, which is what we've seen over the last few months to see those demand numbers drive down and continue to put pressure on on corn. So it doesn't matter what our you know what our production issue is in the actual corn. The demand is not there. Right. It's a two-side coin. You need both sides to work. Yeah. So we'll be watching that. For another issue I think we need to touch base on is the funds. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of people early on this year with funds record short and continuing to break their record seemingly week after week saying, well, they have to turn around now. Okay, now they have to turn around. Well, now that we have started to make a rally, they have to just go absolutely long to help move in. We have to go above 5 bucks, and obviously none of that happened. No. So should this fund activity be weighted at some point that, okay, they're doing this, what is what kind of pattern is it showing? Not much of any kind of pattern here. So can we really base a lot of decisions off of what the funds are doing? When you see these volume spikes during the day, is it really the funds coming in here and doing X, Y, Z? Or is it because there was just a lot of sell orders or buy orders for just everyday people sitting at these support levels. Yeah, it's it's difficult with the funds because uh, it seems like from one week to the next we can see big movement. It's not you know some weeks it's it's them selling, some weeks it's them buying, and you know one contract that they do doesn't equal any specific amount of pennies or quarter cents or whatever you want to call it in the corn market. It's it, there's no correlation that says if they buy twenty thousand contracts one week, that equals ten cents. Mm-hmm. You know that's the that's the tough part about it is gauging what they're doing because we've seen times where they actually bought week over week and we ended up down for the week from that Tuesday to Tuesday, mm-hmm. so or Wednesday to Tuesday. But that's the that's the tough part is is trying to gauge what they're doing and. And at this point, those guys have no reason to be long. They know the demand story. Yeah, the yield story is good, but like you just said, you've got to have both sides of that coin working to to be able to continue a specific rally that's going to last. Right. And that's what's going to get them on board. If they start to see that that demand is coming through, some of these deals that we've got with Mexico or Japan or South Korea – or even China comes in and we actually get a deal with them, 
that could loosen them up a little bit and say, okay, we don't need to hold a, a short position. We can move back to a neutral position and prepare ourselves so that if there's problems in South America, all of a sudden we've now, we're now getting smaller amounts of corn in storage. We can go up and we can buy this thing and be long for a little while. Mm-hmm. And that deal issue is something I think we should really finish this off with is why or why not should we be making decisions based off of a China deal, a U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, a Japan deal? Why, after what we've seen over the past year and a half, should that be something that we either put more weight behind or use it as opportunities to be looking to sell? Well, it's the tough part about that is that you've got – um, you've got the reactionary uh, lot out there, and a lot of it is computer computer driven. Mm-hmm. So you see a headline that is considered beneficial to uh, trade getting done, trade trade deals getting done, whoever it is, and the computers and then the followers are gonna they're gonna buy it, they're gonna get excited, and then when they realize that it's BS or it doesn't really affect the overall bottom line, um, then they're going to they're gonna take that back. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of play the zero-sum game, and it's like, well, okay, well, we had some good news. Here's a reaction to it, knee-jerk reaction, and then they come back and then sell it even harder. Um, at this point, you know, I don't think there's anything to really get super excited about. Could we rally? Between now and planting or now and by the time the July contract goes off, because that's about when most people are going to do the the bulk of their marketing is between now and the end of the July contract. Um, yeah, and it could it could just be concerns or ideas that we don't know what's going to happen with weather. It doesn't, it may have nothing to do with planting or it may have nothing to do with conditions. It could just be that wild card of weather. Mm-hmm. And that's where there's opportunity for re-ownership like we were talking about. But it's also opportunity to be watching for making sales on your old crop, the crop that's coming out of the field right now or has already come out of the field, mm-hmm. and also making sales on, on next year's crop. And that's something that I think we this is where we should sign off is, what do you think the potential is for DEES 2020 as far as what's it going to take to move us up? Because I can tell you from my perspective, I'm not bullish at all. After what we saw this last year, I think we did damage to the market psyche that we're going to grow a crop no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start off first with when. I think you got this May-June time frame. Seasonally, we do have a, a good spike high during that time frame uh, to be looking for our highs being put in the year. That being said, if I'm going with the price, I'm going to stick between 430 and 440. The reason I'm looking at a th- 430 to 440 price is based on historicals when we make these spike highs, these years where we have these very sharp rallies and everyone thinks that we're going to the moon. Next year, we usually try and take a good chunk of that again but we usually miss it by 20 15 20 cents so knowing that this past year we got up to i think it was 463 on the july contract we could very well get up to that 430 440 area just 
just on the historical, just on the technical picture, they're saying that we usually like to regain most of that value. Mm-hmm. That area should also be somewhere you're looking at some hedges. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. So if we get up there in that time frame, make sure you're disciplined and gain those hedges. This past year you had people on the radio and on TV saying, well, we have to go above five bucks and don't sell your crop. Don't fall into that again. That's going to be your number one biggest learning moment from this past year is do not fall into the mass hysteria thinking that we have to go higher because we just have to. Don't look to buy and hold it all year. Make sure you have your plan in place and you follow through on it. Right. That's going to be the number one takeaway for this upcoming year is stick to your plan. So the idea of possibly you know if you are not sure what you're going to produce use the tools that are available to you uh whether it's the board or whether it's um HTAs or accumulator contracts or whatever it is to make sure that you're getting sales done on 50%. Mm-hmm. And if you're not sure if it, if you're going to grow more than half of your normal production that's where you have to you have to take action and then if it does continue to go up and you start to feel better that you are going to have more, then you need to continue to make those sales. And mm-hmm. and at some point, between cash sales, locked in, HTAs, accumulators, and hedges on the board, you'll be up to 100%. Definitely. Awesome. Well, today for Allendale Market Talk, Mike Long and Greg McBride signing off. You guys have a great one. Mm-hmm.